When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. And yes, we all do. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. And sometimes when you want the fountain of truth about aging, you have to go to the experts, the people who really are in the forefront of what's going on. And we have with us today a guest. His name is Steve Moran. And not only is he personally at the forefront of what's going on, but he kind of is a conduit for everybody else expressing themselves who is also in the forefront. Why? Because he's the editor and he's the publisher of Senior Housing Forum. Now, this is something that I'm kind of riveted at. I mean, I, I rarely ever uh, look at a headline that he has and say, hey, that's not interesting to me. It's always something very interesting, and, and it's, it is a collaboration. I mean, his, his own logo is a place for conversation and collaboration within the industry. So for those of you who are in senior housing in some way, of course, you will probably already know this. You'll be fascinated to hear him. But for those of you who aren't, who are our laymen, our baby boomers, our caregivers, housing has become perhaps the number one thing on your mind, whether you're ready to retire, whether it's the over 55 communities, whether it's mom and dad. We just did a legal piece uh, for mom and dad, what you should know about if, if the family is buying their house and moving them. So it's coming up in every which way. And I want to say uh, thank you, Steve, for being with us today. Uh, introduce Steve Moran by letting him tell you what is Senior Housing Forum. So thanks for being here, Steve, and, and give us a little bit of a synopsis of what Senior Housing Forum was and how it began. Adrian, thanks for the kind words, and I love talking about what I do. So uh, Senior Housing, let me start by telling you a little bit about what Senior Housing is. We are a resource for senior living leaders. And if you were look at senior living communities and organizations, our target are really people who are sort of start at the C level, so CEOs, COOs, um, regional managers and operators at the local property level, the executive directors, the general managers, and to some degree, we talk a fair amount about sales and marketing, so I would include the, the sales and marketing uh, people in, in sort of our target audience. Uh, it turns out that we have a lot of people who read it from all kinds of walks of life, including a fair number of residents and resident families who check in because they feel like it gives them just a really good handle on what's going on in the industry that's so important to their lives and the lives of their loved ones. Uh, there are two, the, the, the biggest thing that makes us unique is that we are not a news organization. So our goal with Senior Housing Forum is to help operators do a better job. So we tend to talk about new ideas. We challenge existing assumptions. We're always looking to talk to people, kind of like what you do, Adrian, is we're looking to talk to people who are really doing interesting things in the industry, thinking that um, uh, in doing so, we will actually you know, help other operators think about things differently, approach things differently. Right now, I'm particularly uh, fascinated by and interested in how we, we create work cultures where uh, team members love coming to work every day. We know that the turnover is a big issue. 
Um, and then the other thing that I do that's related to, to Senior Housing Forum is I have an organization called Culture 2100 that I have a partner, Denise Boudreaux-Scott, in, and we do some uh, leadership development kinds of things in that organization. So we sort of think mastermind for senior living leaders. And what's really cool about it is that mostly we spend time sitting around having converse, deep conversations about how to make the industry better. So we're not like a typical conference where there's a bunch of speakers. We believe that we got a tremendous amount of knowledge within the industry, and we just need to have a platform to share that. So um, that's, that's what we do. And that, is, of course, is where the word collaboration comes in. Uh, you know, I have been uh, doing a lot of work in the field of technology. They call it age tech. And we just did an article for our blog, which is called Aging for Beginners on Robots and Robotics. And I did notice in your profile that you had a little surgeon in the world of technology. So I'm very interested to hear your take on how technology and high tech might be affecting the world of senior housing. What's the latest there that you've been hearing during your collaborative sessions? So this is, a, this is actually a great question, and I spend a lot of time looking and thinking about technology. Uh, early on in the history of the blog, I started going to conferences that were really tech-oriented, and a big part of many of those conferences is uh, pitches by startups of new technology. And I remember going to the first couple and thinking, this is going to be so cool. I'm going to see some just amazing technology. Um, today, I've probably watched two, three, four hundred um, pitches. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit jaded. I see a lot of technology out there. I, I don't so see it solving the big problems. And in fact, what I see happening is, is that somebody will create a technology, and the technology in and of itself is really, really cool, uh, but they haven't really thought through the use case of either for, for seniors at home or seniors in the, in the senior living community. And what's fascinating about it is that what I want these technology people to do is to really take a step back and say, okay, I'm going to go to a senior living operator with this technology. So what does that actually mean to the operator, to the residents, to the family members? Because oftentimes what it does is it actually just adds more burden to the staff, and the staff already are overburdened, and it takes away money from the bottom line. And so I, I, probably not exactly the answer you wanted, but I, I, I think that uh, there's still a lot of opportunity for technology out there. Uh, I think there are some areas where we'll see robots. There's some really, really interesting technology uh, with, um, uh, you know, uh, I think ordering kiosk uh, could be a big opportunity. Uh, certainly emergency call is something that, that works well. Uh, there's been a fair amount of innovation there. I think it's right for further innovation. I think the Alexa and Google Home just have tremendous promise for uh, communication and emergency uh, response and all kinds of things. Oh, and the other thing I actually really like a lot, and I don't know whether you call this technology or not, but there's um, actually Hasbro um, uh, created this, and it's been spun, spun off yes. to a new company. But they, they make this, yeah, this, joy this for mechanical all. cat. I think you're talking about Joy yeah, for Joy All. Yeah, Joy for All. All. That's yes. I just wrote yeah, about so, that, and yeah, it's wonderful. The first time I so saw I one, by love, the way, Steve. 
I thought it was a real cat. I saw it in an assisted living community. I thought it was a real cat. And I said, my goodness, I let cats in here. This is pretty, it's a very interesting robotic toy, which you can buy on Amazon for $100 and change. So you That's know, right. I actually, I have one. Um, I got it. Yeah. They gave me one for my mom. Um, but it's, when I first saw it at a at a conference, I, and I saw it was on the 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 guy who was was part of the organization was had it on um, on 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 stage, and I looked at it and thought, man, that's really creepy. And then Very I cool. got him off, and I did I did an interview with him, and he put it in my lap, and honestly, I didn't want to let it go. It's really cool. I know, I know. So so I want to tell you, I you know, Steve said an interesting thing. He said. This is not the answer you wanted. Well, the fact is it is the answer we want because for everybody listening, you all know that there are very few. This may be the only national radio show on aging. And we call it Generation Bold, but we also call it the Fountain of Truth. And there's so much hype around the technology, and it does not always pan out. I personally have worked and consulted with technology firms which they could not get it into assisted living communities because they didn't have the networks. They actually didn't have the wiring for the kind of machines that they were bringing in there. So what Steve is saying is there's often a disconnect between all the futurism and how practical it is in the world of housing today. When we come back, I want to talk to Steve about something very close to what he does with Senior Housing Forum, and that is looking at staffing. And you would think that that doesn't have a connection to technology or robotics. But let me tell you that all these wonderful, uh, interesting robots fall into three categories. Either they are companions, like the Joy for All Cats and Dogs and Zora that was on the front page of the New York Times uh, science section, which looks like a person, almost looks like a, uh, a sci-fi robot and is a companion. There's the aging in place things, half of which we already have, like Alexa and smart homes. And then there is the kind of robot that takes away work from real live people. And I'm going to ask Steve a really difficult question. Are there really enough people to staff senior housing or do we need technology? And what would that look like? And what should you, if you're bringing your mom, dad, or yourself into a housing community, ask about the staffing? This is a real insider question that most people who are on the outside, all they're doing is trying to live and choose a residence, never think about. And that is what the staffing is like, how happy they are there, what's the turnover, when you see the same face twice. Don't go anywhere. These are important questions on your housing. Steve Moran will answer. And I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. A couple of things. We're going to give you uh, some very important information, and uh, if can write it down great but you know it is a sunday morning and for many of the listeners it's a saturday evening you may not have your pencil and paper so let me remind you that every single wednesday after our saturday and sunday show we archive this uh discussion with steve moran the publisher and editor of senior housing forum we will also have on the front page of our website 
but you know that website by now, generationboldradio.com, generationboldradio.com. A synopsis of the site, the URL to, uh, so that you can go and read Senior Housing Forum, and anything else, by the way, Steve, that you want to send to us from your logo to an article will be right there starting on the Wednesday after the show is aired. And that's the way we make sure that you always have your hands on the information, even if you can't take it down right now. But I would like to start with that. So uh, reintroducing Steve Moran, publisher of of Senior Housing Forum. It's a collaboration of people in the industry. They get together, they learn from each other, and they share, and hopefully they innovate. So if people want to go and take a look at what we're talking about, where would they go, Steve? What's your uh, website? So there are two easy ways to do it. The first is to go directly to the website, which is seniorhousingforum, all one word, dot net. So seniorhousingforum.net. Or if you go to Google and you type in Senior Housing Forum, uh, it should be the first thing that comes up. So pretty easy to find it. And we publish about 10 new pieces of content a week. Uh, so uh, we'd love to have you come check it out. And if you see something that intrigues you, uh, make a comment, uh, shoot us an email, uh, uh, talk to us about how we can do it better. Yeah, and you know, one of the things I do love, this on a personal note, Steve, I'm a blogger for um, uh, on something that's called Bottom Line Personal, and it also is a wonderful publishing house. that all kinds of different topics. And my particular topic, of course, is called Aging for Beginners, but they do not allow comment. And one thing I can tell you about Senior Housing Forum is they do allow comments, and uh, they love the comment. So you'll be able to really uh, interact if you want. So you go there, seniorhousingforum.net, and it opens up a whole new world. Now, talking about a new world, I, the first uh, segment I was saying, you know, robots could take over jobs. Is that good news or bad news? It depends on your opinion. But you have always maintained that the issue of staffing is a pretty serious issue and that it's also something I think consumers don't, because they're not in the industry itself. They, they understand how important the people are around themselves and their loved ones. They really don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. So tell us why you think this is so important and, and kind of where it's going right now. You bet. So I love topic, talking about this topic. I think that today uh, staffing issues and culture are the most pressing, most critical thing uh, that, that operators and really consumers need to think about and worry about. Uh, lot, we, we, we have this really strong belief that I think is largely accurate that as we boomers age, that there are simply not going to be enough people to do the caregiving. And today, a big struggle is is that the people who are mostly hands-on with seniors, whether it's home care or in senior living, are people that are very, very poorly paid. And so a lot of them work second jobs and mostly they don't like working um, in senior living. And part of it's because it, it is, it's just hard work. But I think that operators have this very unique opportunity to change the environment. And there are some operators who are already doing that. 
But they really have this, this opportunity, the biggest opportunity that operators have are to create cultures where everybody who's working in that culture loves coming to work today. So I, I sort of have this vision of, of creating a culture where I know that when I can't come to work as a caregiver, even if I spend the day doing showers and, and wiping uh, an elderly person's bottom, I'm going to walk away and say, oh, man, that was a great day of wiping bottoms. Because what I know, what I know is that I actually went in and I made somebody's life a whole bunch different. I, I, I gave them a great day. I put a smile on their face. I gave them great joy. And, and so th that's really where the opportunity is. I think from a consumer standpoint, um, going in and talking to a community that you're look, considering for, uh, to put your loved one in, uh, asking about staffing ratios um, and uh, what their turnover is like, is a really good thing to ask about. The other thing I would really recommend is that you go in in odd times. Most senior living communities, honestly, are pretty well equipped during the daytime. So from 7 to 8 o'clock, it's going to be uh, um, till about 5 o'clock. You're going to see lots of people in the dining room, lots of people out on the floor happening. But you want to figure out what's going on, show up about 7 o'clock. Uh, and just, just hang out and see what happens. Uh, I know that um, uh, a few, a couple years ago, my mom was in a nursing home, a nursing home and, and a senior living, sort of part of the same spectrum, but not the same as assisted living or memory care. And we only kept her in this particular nursing home for nine days because the staffing was so inadequate. She would push her call button and she wouldn't get help. And we ultimately moved her too. to a very lovely, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes, it can be dangerous too. Uh, understanding. Yeah, uh, it can be uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 yeah so th these are all important, very, very important hints and tips. Uh, you know, I used to um, say that most of the time when a baby boomer comes to look at a place for their uh, aging parent, they're going to look at the chandeliers. What do I meant by that was, is, is it clean? Is it pretty? Do they feel that it's peppy? But that's not the most important part. It's the people. It's the people who are going to be around you or your parents and the cultural competency, which is the new buzzword in the industry, where they understand the culture of the person that they're working with, even though, and this is the reality of it, most hands-on day-to-day, hour-to-hour caregivers come uh, personally from a different culture, not just the kind of culture of what books do you like. You may all like the same book, but you may speak, literally speak different languages. So the issue of cultural competency is becoming a very big thing. And when there is that compatibility between the person you're helping and the caregiver, you do walk away happier. And it is the responsibility of the activities directors, the operators, the owner-operators to make that happen, to create that synergistic feeling between the people who are the residents and the people who are the staff. It's not an easy task because, honestly, we're still in Aging 101. When we come back, I'm going to throw you all, and maybe even Steve Moran hasn't heard of this concept. I think as consumers, we have a responsibility to make the life better for our own caregiver. Very, very controversial. But God, that we come back with our responsibility as elders. Don't go anywhere. I'm inappropriate. For my age, da 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 da. 
they were in a dining room, and one of the residents, not on the keeper committee, was was really being abusive to a server, and they were demanding, and they had no grace and no compassion. And I think she was, was this this particular server was somebody who was was relatively new, and he became honestly abusive to her. And so, you know, as as good uh, community members, they didn't address it right then. But after dinner, somebody from the committee, another resident, not a team member, another resident, went to that person and said, "Hey, you just can't treat our people that way. They're they're really important to us, and they're doing the best they can." Um, and I so I think that's really a, a critical point. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think there are a lot of senior living communities who uh, address that at least head on. But I've heard other stories where a, a caregiver has been abused and, um, uh, and and management stepped in to make sure that didn't happen. Because the team member, if you don't have happy team members, then you never have happy residents. And so the team members, in my view, really have to be the, the most important people that you take care of because then it trickles up through the residents and the families. And from a profit standpoint, I think ultimately you make more money as an operator. Yeah. No, no question. You know, I uh, this industry seems to be vast, but in fact, it's the same ten people going around the world, as a friend of mine once said. Uh, I've actually had people from that particular Denver community on the show because one of the other things that they do there is uh, many of the residents are volunteers. They do a lot of volunteering uh, in the community, and we had a show on volunteerism, and they they happen to be a guest. And I'm having the pleasure, Steve, of being a speaker in Denver uh, at the Townsend organization, which is actually a financial organization. I'm going to go visit them. So one of the things, I'm bringing this out because for those of you who feel you can't get a grasp on this industry, it's not that difficult. If you did go to seniorhousingforum.net, you begin to read, you begin to see that fortunately, unfortunately, but, but logically, it's the same innovators doing innovation over and over again. And those who are outliers don't. I think that's true in any industry and almost in any field, but you will see some of the same names coming up, and you'll be impressed by the same uh, housing um, uh, and residences, and it'll give you some idea of for you, yourself if you want to look for work, if you want to be in the industry, or if you just need to be a very informed consumer. So let's talk about that. You see a lot of impressive things, particularly in the environment, what's going on landscaping and, and universal design. So as you, you've said at the beginning, you can get jaded. You got jaded over technology. What about that? Anything exciting you particularly in the built environment? You know, it, it's it's a it's a really a great question. Let me tell you what I see in the industry right now. Uh, so what I see is, so one of the big challenges that senior living uh, owners and operators have is they build new buildings, new, create new new opportunities is that the people who live in them typically are not the same people who make the decision about um, moving in. And so there's this move towards building grander, more opulent, uh, more luxurious senior living communities each time somebody does another iteration. And, um, and a lot of that has to do with 
what's going to impress the family member when they're looking to select a community for their uh, team members? The more difficult question is, is what actually serves the resident best? And more opulent may not necessarily, not saying it's not, but it may not be necessarily the thing that they actually need, need the most. Uh, I, I do think that there's a lot of discussion about what really uh, is a great design that gives residents great days every day. We know that they have some need for big common spaces, but we also know that, that not everybody is a gatherer. A lot of people don't feel really, really comfortable in, in big crowds, but almost everybody likes to have a few, uh, a few friends. And so there needs to also be space where you can have, um, uh, you know, conversations where two or three people can sit and feel comfortable like you might in your living room or in a TV room. Uh, I think that uh, outdoor space is really, really important. And of course, weather plays into that a lot. And so, you know, how do you create outdoor spaces that residents who maybe have a limited mobility can get into? And, and then I, I think the, sort of the last thing is, is how do you create spaces where you can have purposeful living as opposed to uh, a cruise liner living? Yep. No, I, I certainly agree. I, in fact, I may even send this. I had the pleasure uh, recently of doing a little ebook with the fellow who is the landscaper for Disney, Disney World and Disney um, and Disneyland both. And what uh, we were looking at is environments for aging and the outdoors. And we did a lot of interviewing, and we found a lot of gerontologists who actually said that you're going to fall off your chair, Steve. Well, these people actually don't go outside. They look at the outside from the inside, and it actually made us crazy because that's exactly what we want to reverse. That's the whole point. So there has to be things, even in the exterior environment, in the built environment, that's going to get people out of themselves, going to to kill this boredom that sometimes happens, and create these ideas of, of small community intimacy, the ability to sit in a park bench and go out there and want to go out there. Sometimes the, the most difficult thing to do as you truly age is to self-motivate. And landscaping, what's available for you to do and your activities director, to me, is more important than, as Steve said, the chandeliers, how beautiful it is, or, you know, what the bathroom exactly looks like. We'll be back. It's important to our future. And I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit. Cause I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. And hello, hello, hello. You know, it may seem the obvious, but it's not easy getting older in a society that may be marginalizing you and continually telling you you can't do it. Uh, one of my favorite lines is, well, all the people who said it couldn't be done get out of the way of the people who are doing it. And right now we have with us Steve Moran. He is the publisher, editor of a really important uh, forum, a really important collaboration where people in the field of senior housing get together and share with each other and learn from each other. Uh, and that's great for the industry, but honestly, it's more important for the rest of us. Because if we are going to be able to age in place, that's fine. 
when the time comes that we may want to move and maybe age in place in a different type of place, whether it's assisted living or CCRCs or over 55 communities, we really want to be the final arbiter of how we live. And so we should be influencing this uh, particular industry as much as it's influencing us. And that's what Steve Moran is hoping will happen and has happened through Senior Housing Forum. If you want to know more about it, go to seniorhousingforum.net. Couldn't be easier. And you're going to read some fascinating things. And uh, because we were at the end of our segment, I did uh, ask Steve, what did he want to bring out so that there was one thing that didn't go missing from our conversation? And I was thrilled to hear that his answer was he wanted to talk a little bit about life purpose. So you're on, Steve. I know you're a thinker in this particular area, what they call a thought leader. Let's hear what you have to say. You bet. So when I go tour buildings, and I spend a lot of time doing that, I think it's really important that I actually go in communities and, and just see what's happening, what it feels like, and if you will pretend I'm a consumer, or uh, it, it really helps me to write about it and to think about it. But one of the most distressing things that happens to me is that when I'm talking to uh, sales and marketing people or even leaders in the building, they'll say, this is a great, great place. It's like a, a cruise ship or it's like a luxury hotel. And you know, if you first heard that, you think, man, that would really, really be, that's great. I mean, can you imagine living the rest of your life on a cruise ship or in a luxury hotel? And as sort of as an aside, I actually met somebody who lives full-time uh, this past, past Thanksgiving. I was on a cruise, and I met a woman who lives full-time on cruise ships, and I didn't like her very much. So I don't know whether that was because she lives full-time or because she's there because she can change friends every week or two. But anyway, so uh, but when I hear that, I, I always, it always makes me cringe because imagine for a minute that somebody came to you and said, hey, I'm going to give you a free two weeks on the most luxurious cruise ship uh, that, that exists today. And you think, ah, oh, man, that would be really, really cool. But if I then said, oh, there's one actually, well, it's not quite like that. You actually are going to never be able to get off the cruise ship again. Uh, most of us would not want to do that because – what we would know is both our bodies and our minds would become atrophied because people were doing everything for us. We absolutely know that when people have purpose, whether they're giving back or they're learning things, uh, where they're making a difference in other people's lives, they have better, happier, healthier lives. And there's pretty good evidence that when you have purpose in your life, you actually not only do you live healthier, but you live longer. And the industry is getting better in that direction. We're moving in a, in, a, in a direction where we're spending more time in that area. We've still got a long way to go. But if I were out looking for a community, um, that would be really high on my list uh, is to make sure there were opportunities to still get involved. So being able to volunteer there, volunteer someplace else, continue to take classes, maybe even learn some new things, how to paint, how to, how to sculpt. Um, having kids come in that I can tutor, tutor or entrepreneurs come in that I can mentor. So many opportunities out there, and we're just, I think, just beginning to explore that. You know, I, um, uh, I believe that so at my core, at my core. And what you're saying is extremely evocative on many levels. 
I do travel a lot. Uh, one of the things that I write a lot about is travel, and I have a, a whole se- series of uh, lectures in, for the hospitality industry that hires me to talk about something called the ageless traveler. And actually, it can be even cheaper to live on a cruise ship. Uh, they have medical attention. They have many things. However, after 20 days on a cruise ship, I would like to be buried at sea. I have absolutely, you, I cannot do that. I cannot live purposelessly, no matter how comfortable. And I think most people can't. Leisure does kill. Uh, one of the articles on uh, the uh, Aging for Beginners is, don't be busy, be blissful. Everybody's trying to be busy after they retire with these little petty things, but they're really not feeling the bliss they could if they gave to others. And I know it's easy to say, and it just sounds, you know, uh, like an idiom, or, but you really have to rethink what you want to accomplish in life as you get older, just as you had things you wanted to accomplish for your children and your career before you retired. It's really important. And to me, the most important person in senior housing is the activities director. I don't care if the chandelier is nice or not. If they have an incredible opportunity to get out there, meet people, learn, and give, uh, it's much more important than getting. So that that's something that uh, it, it does not. It's not the bricks and mortar. It's not the wallpaper. You got to ask, what do people do all day? And they get up in the morning to the time they go to sleep. What do they do? Uh, now, Steve, we're going to end end this with you because our time is running out. Uh, you have a mom and and your own self, and we're all getting older. If there were the three things that you would ask when you're thinking about senior housing for yourself or a loved one? What are the three things you'd ask? So even before asking, one of my biggest criteria would be how they treat me when I walk in. Is somebody there to talk to me, uh, greet me? And it might be that they're busy, but they at least say hello. Okay, I'll get right to you. You know, does the, I'd want to just sit there and look at it and see if the team members look like they're happy and excited about being there. And then I'd ask get them the about staffing and how many, what's that? Yes. Yeah, get and then the I'd vibe. ask them about get, staffing. Yeah. It's the vibe. Well, it's the vibe. That's a great way of putting it. Get the vibe. Um, We're at the end of our time together, and it's hard to believe, but you can continue this by going to seniorhousingforum.net, start to read, uh, go to uh, our own uh, generationboldradio.com, uh, and you'll be able to hear this, uh, archive it, share it, that's what we love. And, you know, every single week I try to motivate people to go out and do the things that they would like to do that people tell them they can't do because of their age. I'm going to do that again as usual. Get out there, kids, and make it.